pastors of the church. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3 is where we'll be today. If you do not have a Bible, there should be a solid colored one uh, probably under the seat in front of you. Feel free to grab one of those, follow along with us in those provided Bibles. Uh, Acts chapter 3 should be on or about page 629. Uh, If you're not used to navigating through your own Bible, that's fine. They usually put a table of contents at the beginning as well. And so that is good. Uh, We continue our study in the book of Acts. Uh, We're in Acts chapter 3, so I think we're in like sermon number uh, 5 or so in the book of Acts. And in our passage this morning, we're going to see the apostles, two two apostles in particular, they're going to gather together for a time of prayer at the temple. And uh, there's going to be an interaction there at the temple complex. And then uh, the people who are there are going to scatter and go about their ways. Okay, And so uh, we're going to see people gathering together to the temple, the temple of the one true God. And it's going to be different types of people that we're going to interact with. And many of them are going to change as a result of their coming together to the temple. Now, there are a lot of similarities with what we're doing this morning. Gathering together with the supposed people of God. And we come together from many different backgrounds and we're currently involved in many different uh, things and can be categorized in different ways as we gather together around and with the supposed people of God. And I trust that many of us will be changed even from this brief interaction this morning with the text. So before we jump into the text, I want you to ponder two questions. Number one is, why are you here this morning? Sometimes that sounds like an offensive question, doesn't it? Why are you doing what you're doing? But no, no, it is something that we should ponder on a regular basis. Like, why are you doing what it is that you're doing? So why in the world are you gathering together with the supposed people of God on a Sunday morning? Why are you doing what you're doing? Number two, do you believe that change is possible? Further, do you believe that change is possible for you? Because right, if, if you don't believe change is possible, if you think there's a category of things that God has no power over, then you will be left in a season and a time of hope until you change that belief. You see, we worship the one true God of the Bible, and one thing that He does throughout the Scriptures is show that He has power over everything, and He even has authority over everything. So I want you to think, is there a category in your mind that you don't believe that God has power over to change? I'm going to challenge that this morning. In fact, I think the Scripture itself is going to challenge that this morning. The title for the sermon this morning is Redeemed Worshippers. Redeemed Worshippers. Perhaps that word redeemed is not part of your everyday vocabulary. There are a few different ideas caught up in this word uh, redeemed, but for my use of the word today, it will be sufficient to understand it as a wholesale change, a complete change to be redeemed. My goal this morning is that we would not just be worshipers, but that we would be redeemed 
worshipers. For all the different types of people that are gathering together here this morning, that we would not just come to worship generically, but instead that we would be changed, that we would leave here as redeemed worshipers. So pick it up with me in Acts chapter 3, starting at the beginning of the chapter. We're going to read the whole chapter. Acts chapter 3, starting at the beginning of the chapter. Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the Beautiful Gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, Look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. While he clung to Peter and John, all the people, utterly astounded, ran together to them into the portico called Solomon's. And when Peter saw it, he addressed the people. Men of Israel, why do you wonder at this? Or why do you stare at us as though by our own power or piety we have made him walk? The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when He had decided to release Him. But you denied the Holy and Righteous One and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. And His name by faith in His name, has made this man strong whom you see and know, and the faith that is through Jesus has given the man this perfect health in the presence of you all. And now, brothers, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did also your rulers, but what God foretold by the mouth of all the prophets that His Christ would suffer, He thus fulfilled. Repent, therefore, and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that He may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus, whom heaven must receive until the time of restoring of all things, about which God spoke by the mouth of His holy prophets long ago. Moses said, The Lord will rise, raise up for you a prophet like me from your brothers. You shall listen to him in whatever he tells you. And it shall be that every soul that does not listen to that prophet shall be destroyed from the people. And all the prophets who have spoken from Samuel and those who came after him also proclaim these days, 
You are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant that God made with your fathers, saying to Abraham, And in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. God, having raised up His servant, sent Him to you first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. Redemption in the house of worship involves the redemption of at least three types of people. So we're going to see. You saw we interacted with a few different types of folks. We had Peter and John. We had the lame man. We had uh, the crowd that gathered together in the outside of the court. So at least three types of people. There's a lot of differences in what's happening in our passage uh, back then to what is happening with us now. Right? But there's also a lot of similarities. I'm going to spend, I'm going to just unapologetically focus on the things that carry from then to now and make sure that we capture what it is that carries from then until now. So redemption in the house of worship involves the redemption of at least three types of people. And this is going to form the uh, outline for the sermon this morning. The three types of people are leaping lame men, religious repenters, and unwavering witnesses. So the first one in verses 1 through 10, verses 1 through 10, we see that redeemed worshipers include leaping lame men. Leaping lame men. In our passage this morning, a lame man is healed by Peter. I want you to notice a few things about this lame man. Most of them are in verse 2. Verse 2 gives us quite a bit of information about this man. doesn't give us his name or some other things that we might think are interesting. It doesn't tell us how old he is. doesn't tell us any of those things, but it does tell us some very important information for the passage. We learn in verse 2 that this man was lame from birth. Right? So this isn't that he got injured recently and he showed up, but no, 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 he has been lame from birth. We also know that he has had a habit of coming to the temple. It says that he would be carried to the temple and laid there daily. So he had a habit of coming to the temple. This was not a one-time event for him. We also know that the primary purpose that he came to the temple was for physical help. Again, another word that you might not be used to is the word alms, A-L-M-S, alms. This is where those who were unable to work would ask for food or money or some other resource for living from other people. And they were asking for benevolence from other people, alms, money or things given to the poor, those unable to work. So why do I focus on this lame man? Well, I'm convinced that some of you in here this morning are here because you are in some way lame. You are in some way lame. It may be physical like this man. Right? I don't want to overly you know, mysticize this and say, well, maybe he wasn't actually lame. No, I think this guy was actually lame. Right? And for you, it may be physical. There may be something that we can see, or there may be something that we cannot see that causes you hindrance in your relationship with the Lord. It may cause you hindrance in your relationship with other people, or even to uh, care for yourself and to work. It may be financial. It may be mental health. There may be something that you struggle with in your own mind that causes you to walk in here lame. 
Maybe there's a relationship strain. Maybe it's a relationship with a spouse or with a child or with a parent that is causing you such strain that you walk in here lame, unable to interact as others do. In some way you have walked in here lame, whether we can all see it and appreciate it or not. It was obvious to everyone who saw this lame man in our passage that he was lame. He had to be carried to the temple. So they could see that he had to be carried to the temple. They could watch it day after day. They would know if he was faking or not faking. So he was being carried. They knew that he was lame. He could not walk there by himself. But for us, there are many things that make us lame that are not perceived to those around us. Perhaps we'd be shocked. And I know this current configuration of the sanctuary causes us all just to look at the back of each other's heads and the the few smiling faces up front. But I think we might be shocked as we looked around if all of a sudden we had a sign above our heads that explained what the internal struggles that we had were. What would some of them be this morning? Maybe again it would be financial. Couldn't pay my bills this week. Maybe it would be even worse, slept in my car last night. Maybe it's something like this. This is the first time I've been out of the house all week because of my depression. I just I can't stand getting out. I've been so overwhelmed by this cloud that I can't leave the house. Maybe it's hey, I I, I sit here and I keep to myself and I I sit in this position and I make sure I can see everybody and I keep everybody at arm's distance because I struggle with social anxiety or I struggle with post-traumatic stress. Maybe it's something that's being done to you. Maybe your sign would say, look, I'm in an abusive relationship and I can't talk about it right now. Maybe it's past abuse. Maybe it's, I was abused as a child and I I, I don't want to let you in there yet. Maybe, Maybe it's my marriage is in shambles and I'm not ready to talk about it yet. And maybe, like the guy in our passage, you've struggled with this for years. Maybe even from birth or maybe even from as a very young child. But I want you to see where the passage goes. I want to spend some time thinking about that, but I want to see where the passage goes. I want you to notice where this guy hangs out daily. Verse 2 says that he hangs out at the gate of the temple. He does not go into the temple. His habit is to hang out just at the gate of the temple, just outside. You see, if you walked in here lame this morning in one of the ways that I've been talking about, your temptation is going to be to hang out around the fringes of church, of Christianity, of understanding who Jesus is. Your temptation is going to keep to be to keep everyone at an arm's distance, to keep everyone at bay. I encourage you to press in and to press into the people of God. I want you to look at verses 6 and 7. Peter says to this man, 
I have no silver and no gold, but what I do have I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and his ankles were made strong. So, so many of us, we can't see that one another's in need. We can't see that we walk in with physical ailments or mental ailments or whatever the issue is. We can't see it, but one of the things I want you to know is that you came to the right place. The temple that the apostles are going to here in Acts chapter 3 was destroyed in about 70 A.D. It's not there anymore. The temple, as discussed in the New Testament after this time and after the book of Acts, two things are referred to as the temple. Jesus Christ Himself and Jesus Christ's body on this earth, the church. So all true believers, all true believers in Christ. So Christ and His church. And so if you've been just kind of hanging around seeing if this is the real deal or not, I encourage you to press in. I want you to know that you came to the right place. You came to the temple of the one true God. I know it's not a physical temple anymore. It is instead Jesus Christ and His church. What you need this morning is to press into Jesus, press into His church. Come in as close as you can and keep on coming in as close as you can. Next, I want you to see what happened to this lame man. In verse 7, It says, and he, Peter, took him by the right hand and raised him up. I love how the uh, New American Standard Bible words that. It says that Peter seized him by the right hand and picked him up. He uses a stronger word that he seized him. He picked him up. And then, and he did so in the name of Christ. He'd already said, look, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth, I tell you to get up and walk. And then later on, Peter says that it is by faith in the name of Jesus Christ that caused this guy to walk. You see, he could have picked him up and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to walk, let go, and the guy dropped. But that didn't happen, did it? No, no, no. Peter seized him by the right hand and picked him up and said, in the name of Jesus, I command you to walk. And the guy had faith in Christ. And his ankles and his feet, it says, his ankles and his feet were made strong, And then in verse 8, it says that he began leaping up and he began to walk. And where did he go? He didn't go home, did he? Look with me in verse 8. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and he did what? He entered the temple with them. Why did he enter the temple with them? Because he believed in the name of Jesus. And these guys are going in the temple to proclaim about Jesus, to learn more about Jesus, to worship the one true God. I'm going with them. It's a beautiful picture. Beautiful picture. One of my prayers for this church is that we would be filled with people who are leaping lame men and leaping lame women. And that when we see a lame man or a lame woman praising God for their restoration, that we too would praise God for their restoration. You see, the people around this guy, they began praising God with him. They became, began praising God for what had happened. To an extent, we'll pick on them here in a second, but we should be those who praise God for what happens around us through the name of Christ. 
I pray that we see redemption all around us. I pray that the addict would become clean and sober-minded and we would rejoice it. I pray that the adulterer would be faithful and we would rejoice it. I pray that the depressed person would be able to joyfully praise God and that we would praise with them. That the anxious would live in peace. That the suicidal would love life. I pray that the separated marriage would be reconciled. That the fatherless would find a family. That the widow would find a family. That the alien, the sojourner would come in and find a people to belong to. That they would join in the household of God. Join the household of redeemed worshipers. That we would include leaping lame men and leaping lame women. Redeem worshipers include leaping lame men. If you find a church where no one's actually been changed, that we're all the good people and all the bad people are out there, you need to run from that church. The church includes leaping lame men and leaping lame women. Redeem worshipers also include, secondly this morning, redeem worshipers also include in verses 11 through 26. Verses 11 through 26. Redeemed worshipers also include religious repenters. Religious repenters. By verse 11, we are now inside of the temple complex. We're nowhere near like the Holy of Holies or anything like that, but we are inside the temple complex in a regular gathering place called Solomon's Portico. There's a crowd of people that are gathering. Again, it was a typical gathering place just inside the temple complex. The leaping lame man, by verse 11, is now clinging to Peter and John as they've come into the temple. He's also leaping and praising, so clinging and leaping and praising. I don't know if you read the Bible and try to picture this stuff, but you should do that. Like clinging and leaping and praising. A crowd is forming around them and they're praising God and they're seeing this. And the focus now shifts to the people. The focus shifts to the crowd that is gathering. Those who are also coming to the temple of worship. Let's notice a couple, thing about, a couple things about the people that Peter notes for us. In verse 12, he addresses them as the men of Israel. These people are the supposed people of God. They are Israelites. The book in the very end of our passage, at the very end of Chapter 3, Peter says that God has raised up His servant Jesus and sent Him to you, men of Israel, first to bless you by turning every one of you from your wickedness. See, God's work started in the book of Acts in Jerusalem in the house of Israel, which is what we talked about when we started the book, back in Acts chapter 1, verses 8. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so if you're wondering, where are we in the book of Acts? We're still in Jerusalem. We haven't left Jerusalem yet. We're still there. And he is proclaiming to the people of Israel, the supposed, the so-called, the people who are supposed to be the people of God, that's who he's talking to. But I want you to notice that these people who are supposed to be the people of God, the people who are waiting for Messiah to come, they see and they're gathering to the temple and they see Peter, a man, raise a guy up in the name of Christ and a lame man becomes leaping man. And so they, they look at Peter and they start to 
focus their attention on Peter. And they're very impressed at the work of a man and immediately attribute the miracle to the man instead of thinking that when they gathered with the people of God that God might actually do something. It's a shocking thing, is it not? They're gathering together to the temple and they see a miracle and instead of attributing it to God, they attribute it to a man. We have a very similar problem in our day. We have too high a view of man and too low a view of God. Even among the supposed people of God. Paul later on in the epistles will say that there are people in the last days who have an appearance of godliness and yet deny its power. That's who is gathering with the temple. People who had an appearance of godliness and yet denied its power. Notice in verses 13 through 15 that they have completely missed the point of their religious activity. Pick it up with me in verse 13. He's telling these men of Israel, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, fellow Jews, He glorified His servant Jesus. So you Jews, you should have been paying attention. The God of Abraham promised a Messiah. The God of Isaac promised a Messiah. The God of Jacob promised a Messiah. The God of our fathers... He glorified His servant Jesus, whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pontius Pilate, a Roman. When He had decided to release Him, you denied the Holy and Righteous One, the Messiah. And instead, you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life, Jesus, whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses, He says. So another group of people in here this morning, I'm convinced, is like this group that's in the temple. You have grown up around church. You may have grown up in a Christian home or maybe just hanging around church for some other reason. You've grown up doing religious activity, going to church, maybe even you were baptized. You've been listening to sermons your whole life. Maybe you've even done some teaching yourself. Because right, you've been hanging around a lot. You've got some knowledge. Maybe you can put two sentences together without, and people can follow your train of thought. And so somebody said, you should teach this class over here. You've done many of these things, perhaps. You've sung Christian hymns and Christian songs. You hear some of these songs that we sing. You're like, oh man, that's a song I've been hearing sung my whole life. Maybe you've read the Bible for yourself. Maybe you've even memorized the Bible. But in reality, in all that religious work, you have missed the entire point of what God is doing. You see, God is in the process of orchestrating a plan to save His people through the perfect life, sacrificial death, ascension to uh, resurrection to life, and ascension to rule and reign at the right hand of God the Father. Saving His people through Jesus Christ. That's what God's in the process of doing. Saving His people through Jesus Christ. 
This plan has been in process since before the foundation of the earth. It is available to all who will turn from their sins and trust in Jesus as the plan of salvation being carried out by God. God is doing it all to show how awesome and glorious and marvelous and magnificent He is, not how awesome you are. All these things are happening and yet somehow... Through all the worship services, through all the preaching, through all the songs, through all the Bible studies, through all the men's groups, women's groups, youth groups, Awana groups, whatever it is, all these things that done well are good things and responded to well can be good things, you somehow have missed the truth of the Gospel. You somehow missed Jesus in all of it. You missed the real Jesus. And instead, you've created something that does not reflect the Jesus revealed in Scriptures at all. You have created Jesus in your own image instead of submitting yourself and your life to Christ. I want you to notice what Peter says in this little impromptu sermonette here. In verses 14 and 15, He looks at these people and He says, You denied the Holy and the Righteous One and you asked for a murderer to be granted to you. You killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. How many here have exchanged the truth of the Word of God for something else? The crowd's rejection of Jesus, the plan and the person of salvation, they have rejected Him and because they have rejected them, Peter tells the crowd what they are to do. So if, if somehow the Holy Spirit is using these words in this passage to like, whoa, that might be me. Maybe I missed the whole point of this and somehow made this church stuff and this Jesus stuff about me. If that's being revealed to you, Peter tells them exactly what they should do. And it's actually a little shocking in the moment. He says, repent and turn back. It's a little shocking for a couple reasons. One, because he says the same thing twice in a row. Repent, turn back. Well, repent means to turn back. Turn back means to repent. He uses two different Greek words that essentially have the same meaning. He says the same thing. Repent, turn back. But think about it in the context, right? They're gathering together with the people of God. They've just walked into the temple context complex and he says, you know what you need to do? You need to repent and turn back. Does he mean to physically leave the temple? Probably not. Probably not. What he means is they need to have a change of hearts. They need to have a change of mind. They don't necessarily need to stop doing the religious external things, but instead they need to do so with a renewed mind that honors Jesus as who He says He is, honors Jesus as the Messiah, and trusts and learns about the one true God. He says, repents and turn back. This is the same instruction that many of you need as well. While yes, you're doing external things right, congratulations, we're all here. We look pretty good. Good job. But many of us, there needs to be a complete shift of heart and mind. Submission to God through Jesus Christ, not just doing some religious check in the box. Alright, we started this morning like, why are you here? 
If it's just I'm trying to get my church on and check in a box and leave, I will tell you there are way shorter worship gatherings in town. Uh, we can direct you there. All right, this is not the shortest one. So if you're like, I just need a check in the box, all right, then you would go to the shortest one. So I don't know how you got here, but maybe the word out is wrong, but this is not the shortest worship gathering. This is We're not here for religious check in the box. Ah, I did my good deed this week. You may say, well, that sounds all well and good, but so what if I don't? What if I reject this message? Well, verse 23 is very clear. Verse 23 is very clear. And it shall be that every soul who does not listen to that prophet, Jesus, the one promised from Abraham, everyone who does not listen to Jesus shall be destroyed from the people. It's interesting that Peter gives them a short out. He says, look, I think you acted in ignorance. I think your rulers led you down ignorance. Uh, Pastor Paul is going to lead us through uh, addressing the rulers next week, uh, but they'll be addressed shortly. But he says, look, you've been ignorant perhaps. Maybe you've been going through the motions in ignorance. He gives them a short pass, but he's like, no, today's the day of decision. Today's the day you need to repent and you need to turn back. You need to trust in Jesus. If you have been outwardly religious, but you have missed the point, repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Beautiful things happen. It tells us not only will our sins be blotted out in verse 19, it says that times of refreshing will come. Where will these times of refreshing come from, you may ask? They will come from the very presence of God. You will be brought into the family of God. You will receive the blessings promised to Abraham way back in Genesis chapter 12 and following. And the families of the earth will be blessed through the true people of God. So there we have it. In the house of worship, we, have, we should have leaping lame men and leaping lame women. We should have... Religious repenters, so people who have been religious and just doing the external trappings of religious, that they would repent, that we would turn from our sins and we would trust in the reason and the object of our worship, Jesus Christ. But what about Peter and John that we see throughout this passage? Right? I think we'd be... We'd miss a little bit if we did not focus for a moment on Peter and John throughout this passage. So the third group that I want to look at throughout this passage is that redeemed worshipers also include unwavering witnesses. Redeemed worshipers include unwavering witnesses. I want to focus on Peter and John, but honestly a lot of the heavy lifting has been done by Peter in this passage. Peter and John, they go to the temple at the hour of prayer. So it's not that they became enlightened Christians and they rejected all the external trappings of religion. No, 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 no. They still did the external trappings. They still gathered together with the people of God. They still did the things that they were accustomed to doing. They just did so understanding the reason why they did so. They did not reject it. We must reject the current philosophy that is going about in and amongst our churches that says, 
Well, I can be a Christian, I just reject doing anything that Christians have done for the past 2,000 years, like going to church, participating in church, submitting to a church, reading my Bible. I just go sit out in the woods and worship. Okay? Be very careful with that. What is it that we worship? Peter and John, they go to the temple at the hour of prayer. They're doing the religious activities, but they are doing so to know the one true God of the Bible and to make His name known to the nations, starting with the supposed people of God. Notice in verse 4, chapter 3 and verse 4, Peter and John looked at the hurting. Looked at the hurting. You may say, we're really talking about who they looked at? Yes, we're talking about who they looked at because the text makes sure that we see it. In verse 4, Peter directed his gaze at the lame man, as did John, and they said, look at us. And in verse 5 it says that he, the lame man, fixed his attention on them. They looked each other in the eye. As they were gathering together, I wonder how many people this afternoon, this is 3 o'clock in the afternoon as this is happening, the ninth hour. I wonder how many people that day had passed by this guy and never even looked at him. I wonder how many of us walked in here this morning and never looked at anybody else in the eye, right? We just got out of our car, walked in, find a seat, right? And we never looked at anybody. We never looked at anybody in the eye, never greeted anybody. How many did you greet? How many did you say hello to? How many did you look at them in the eye and see how they're doing? Are they hurting? Are they joyful? Are they celebrating? You can see a lot when you look each other in the eyes. What about those that were prone to overlook? What about those? I'm six foot three, so when I look, I don't look an eight year old in the eye usually. Right? I, I can look past those who are younger and smaller six year olds, four year olds, eight year olds. How many of those did you say hello to today? How many did you look at and say, hey, how you doing, buddy? What's going on? We're so prone to overlook the hurting. Look, they looked them in the eye. They looked them in the eye. Peter and John also, they met the deepest need of the lame man. The lame man asked for alms, again, money or food. I imagine that this lame man believed that physically walking and working was not a possibility for him. Again, we don't really know how old the guy is, but we, we can imagine that he would have thought that was beyond possibility for him. And he certainly did not think he could be welcomed into the family. Peter looked him in the eye. He knew that he needed something more than money. He knew that he needed something more than food. And so he gave him two things. He gave him the ability to walk and leap. Presumably, that would give him the opportunity to work for himself as well. And then Peter ushered him into the temple. And somewhere along the way, the Apostle Peter is convinced that this brother became a Christian. And it happened really fast. Picked him up, stand on in the name of Jesus. Wow, you didn't fall. You must believe. Come in with me. This guy's the real deal. It's amazing how fast it can happen. This guy's the real deal. Peter looked him in the eye. He knew he needed something more. 
He picked him up, he seized him, and he welcomed him into the household of faith. Peter did not hesitate to seize someone who was hurting, help him to stand up, usher him into the temple, and defend his cause before the crowds. Peter also, what else did he do? He shirked praise for himself and he instead pointed all praise to Jesus Christ. He said, it is not by our power or by our piety, our religiousness that we do this. It is by faith in Jesus Christ that has made this man well. They were about to praise Peter. He said, no, 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 no. Praise God. Peter was not afraid to speak up and confront the status quo. This is now the second time recorded in the book of Acts that Peter has stood up and given an impromptu sermon in Jerusalem. And in both of them, he looked at a crowd of people and he said, you just killed the Messiah. You need to repent and turn from it. You think it would take, and they just killed the Messiah. So you think it would take some boldness to be able to do so? The first time that we studied in Acts chapter 2, 3,000 souls were saved. This time when he did it, we'll find out at the beginning of next week's passage that now the number has grown to 5,000 men. So more people are seeing their need for the Savior and repenting. He was not, Peter was not afraid to speak up and confront the status quo even among the supposed people of God. Peter was unwavering in his witness of Jesus. As, we, as we'll see next week, Peter and John will be thrown into jail because of it, as a result of their preaching. The third group of people that I'm convinced is in here this morning, we must see Peter and Paul as examples to follow here. Perhaps you are no longer lame, maybe you were, and now you're a leaping lame man, praise God. Maybe you were just going through the external motions of religiosity, but now God has opened your eyes and you've seen the truths of Jesus and He is your Savior. And when you gather together with the people of God, it's not just to check the box, but instead you are coming to know God and to worship Him and to know the people of God and to make Him known to others. All those things have happened in your life. And yet you're prone to wander. You're prone to waver in your witness of what Jesus has done in your life. Honestly, this is all of us. The hymn writer captured it well. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I really do love. We're all prone to this if we're honest. Sometimes it looks like we let our previous lameness define us. So I used to struggle with this, and so God could never use somebody who used to struggle with this, and so we allowed our past to define us. Or maybe we just fall back into going through the motions, right? Man, it is a habit now to get in my car and come on Sunday morning to church. I struggle to not get here like crazy early sometimes, even when I don't need to be. But like to get up, but man, it's so easy to fall back into just doing it as a habit instead of doing it as a true worshiper. If this is you, please do not let the truth of Jesus Christ stop with you. Don't be the last train station at the end of the line, right? Don't be the last person who heard the message and then you never told anybody else the message. Don't be the last one. Don't be the cesspool at the end of the river. Instead, be a tributary that sends it elsewhere. Proclaim the message. 
We are to be unwavering witnesses of the message, no matter the results to us personally or physically. So which of these groups do you find yourself in this morning? What do you need to do in response? It's interesting, the passage is pretty clear about what we need to do in response. If, those in around, if yourself and those in around you can do the self-examination of, man, where, where do I most identify with this morning? Where am I at most this morning? The text is pretty clear what we are to do. If you are lame, you need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. You need to place your faith in Jesus Christ. Enter the temple of God through the perfect life, sacrificial death, and resurrection to new life of Jesus Christ. You may need somebody to seize you by the hand and pick you up and say, in the name of Jesus, let's stop being defined by this and instead start being defined by Jesus Christ. But look out for that person. Find a man. Grab me by the hand. Call out to him. This guy called out to these guys. Call out. Place your faith in Christ. If you're just going through the religious motions that you always have, the command is very clear in the Scripture. Repent and turn back. I'm not saying don't ever come back. I'm saying come back with a new heart. Come back with a new mind, understanding that Jesus Christ is the reason why we gather. He's the only reason why we gather. It's not because we're awesome. It's not because we got life figured out better than everybody else. It is because we realize that Christ is our only hope for salvation and eternity with the one true God. If you are in Christ, be a bold witness and do not waver for your witness, no matter the consequences. If they threaten to not let you sit at the cool kid table, witness. Witness. If they threaten to fire you from your job and or demote you, witness. If they threaten to throw you in jail, if you think it's not coming in our enlightened society, you might want to pay attention to the news a little bit more. Don't pay attention to it too much. If they threaten to throw you in jail, witness. If they threaten to beat you and hang you in the streets, witness. And please don't ever forget, we are not in this alone. We are in this together. I love you guys. Let's pray. God, I just want to pray this morning along with your servant Isaiah. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. God, some I know that is here in this room this morning and much I do not know. But I know that there are weak hands and I know that there are feeble knees here that need your strengthening, that, you need, that need you to make them well. God, I pray for those who have anxious hearts. God, that You would speak to them. Holy Spirit, that You would speak to them and say, Be strong, fear not. Behold, Your God will come with vengeance. With the recompense of God, He will come and save you. God, would You shore up the faith and the courage of those who are anxious. And God, we look forward to what You have for us. Again, Your prophet Isaiah says, the eyes of the blind shall be opened. 
the ears of the deaf will be unstopped. They will be able to hear. The lame man will leap like a deer. The tongue of the mute person will sing for joy. God, I thank You for the glimpses of these things that we have seen in our midst, in this church, in other churches that many of us have been a part of, in people we personally know, maybe in our families, or maybe uh, friends or loved ones. God, thank You for the glimpses. That way we know that it is possible. So when we walk up on a situation that looks desperate, when we walk up on a situation that looks hopeless, we can place our faith and our trust in You and encourage others to do likewise as Your witnesses. God, would You help us to focus on You as we continue to worship, as we sing, as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. God, that we would worship You truly. In Jesus' name. Amen.